Texas, you're United States of America. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to episode 16 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by thegorillaposition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On today's show, we're talking red, blue, yellow, alpha versus omega, Roman Reigns, and more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. We're talking creative, the business behind the business that is this crazy world known as professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email the show at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined, as always, alongside my better late than never Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me. It's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery here. And you know what? I had a very good reason for being late. Because I wanted to give the... The best possible gift imaginable to all of the masses out there that take in the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast every week. The gift of the gift of this entire season. Everyone out there, they are going to get us. What do we got? Four days? Five? Four or five days in a row. They're going to get. We've got like a ridiculous amount of content getting ready to come out. I promise you. We're going to do hey, this we- show today. We've got Around the Pool. We've got ring of honor we've got new japan we've got news coming up in the locker room like we're gonna be in your ear holes till like tuesday so just deal with it it'll be okay we're a day late hey see that's why i push back here man they're gonna get us all weekend long uh well i mean what what better way to spend the weekend right before you head into the holidays you're gonna be so sick of our voices by the time this weekend is over let's go ahead and get things kicked off uh before we even talk about the WWE and Monday night raw and SmackDown live and Roman reigns and all this other stuff. I want to talk about this week. We've got to talk about the big story. Alpha versus Omega, Chris Jericho and kayfabe 2017 running wild brother. Hey, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest story is rocking the entire professional wrestling world. It's happening on the other side of the globe. I mean, that, that alone is pretty cool. I mean, everyone is taking notice now of what is happening in New Japan, not just taking notice, not just getting ready for Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, it's got everyone excited. I mean, this is this is some pretty cool stuff, but especially if you're New Japan and, and this is why you're doing this to try to pull that grander audience. And as a New Japan fan, I can tell you it's always this fucking cool. It's just now you're paying attention because it's Chris Jericho. Let me ask you, just kind of, you know, sometimes you get those fans that, you know, that have been there for the ride, uh, that they kind of resent that, that bandwagon movement. What's your take on something like that? Is it, are you kind of like, all right, great. Now you guys want to pay attention to this where it's like, finally, you guys are paying attention to it, but look at the thing as a whole and stick with it. Well, you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to be a complete freaking hypocrite on this show. I can see that coming because it does not bother me with new Japan whatsoever. However, we're going to talk about NXT a little bit later, and it bugs the shit out of me there. It's an interesting conundrum that I find myself in. So I want another just quick quick comparison before we jump into the news, uh, everything that's kind of just played out, transpired lately between Jericho and Omega. 
Is is it true? Because I've seen a few comments about this, and you see it kind of resonating amongst some fans. You know, it's if it's done with WWE, it's usually we shit on it. But if it's New Japan, almost doing something very similar, it's it's praised. Uh, I guess maybe it's like the 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 Meltzer uh, chaos theory or something along those lines. You know, if it happened in New Japan, it's a ten star match. If it happened exactly the same in WWE, it might get like two and a quarter. I think a lot of it is the presentation. I think that has a lot of to do with it. Uh, reputation absolutely is part of it. You know, when the when when you have somebody shitting in your mouth forever, when they give you a steak, it's not going to taste as good. When somebody's giving you steak every day, and then all of a sudden they turn around and give you lobster one day, you're like, "Hey, thanks." I I, I chalk a lot of it up just kind of looking at it from the outside a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but some of the Western fans just tend to think like, "Oh, you know, everything they're doing over there has to be better than this garbage that we're getting here." Well, but okay, let's in defense here. When's the last time the WWE did an angle that was remotely this cool? It's been a while. I'll grant it that. I'll give you that there. I mean, it's been a while since they've had anything really going that's, that's really gotten anyone over the top, you know, excited. Uh, here's how sad that is. Off the top of my head, without being prepared, I can't even tell you the last time something like that happened in WWE. I think the last time something like this happened in WWE that completely captivated me was the first time you heard Cult of Personality hit and out walks Punk with the title and Cena standing in the ring with the title, and we all thought Punk was gone. I think that's probably the last time that I had this kind of feeling about a match. Oh, well, brother, I, I can't put put my finger on the last time that where I felt that way, but with your case, I mean, you're going back, what, five, six years? Six years. I mean, that was 2011. Yeah. 2011. Well, let's get to the hype for this big one. It's uh, Would you dare say it's a dual main event yet? No, it's a main event. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, It's man. a main event, and we'll talk about the main event in a second. But, I, obviously, for the Western audience, Jericho versus Omega, this thing is lit. So, the other night at the World Tag League Final in Fukaoma, I actually looked up how to say that, so I didn't say, fuck you, Oma. Fukaoma. Fukaoma. Again, just like we had at Power Struggle, Jericho video hits. Jericho talks a little bit of shit about Kenny. Lights come back on, and Chris freaking Jericho is behind Kenny Omega. Nobody had pop. nobody had any idea that Chris Jericho was in Japan. And there he is in the middle of the ring. If this was the WWE, it probably would have been leaked on Twitter. God knows how long beforehand. We're killing well, our what, own business, man. Well, you get this moment here. Uh, and, no, and I could say, uh, you know, for a, a situation like this, where they're really building this hype here, I could see on the other side there where WWE would even promote this possibly themselves. Uh, it, you know, you, you run that fine line of, do we want to make sure we got people tuned in for this face-off or are we going to drop the surprise? And I think with how oversaturated WWE has become with just – not just outside social media, but how much that they, you know, put out there themselves that, that, that they've almost killed off the element of surprise for anything that they're doing. Uh, but you do get that old traditional surprise here with the promotion like New Japan. And, and I'd say it was a great pop 
when those lights came on and there's Jericho. And props to the commentary team. Man, yeah. they, they put this thing over. Kevin Kelly and Cyrus just lost their freaking minds that Jericho was in that ring. And it absolutely yes. added to the moment. Whereas Michael Cole takes away from moments constantly. And we'll talk well, about several of those throughout the show. One of the first, you know, as, as I'm sitting there listening, the first time I watch it through, I, I just kind of let it soak in. Go back and watched it. Probably watched it three, four times. Uh, and one of those times I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm just paying attention to the commentary team. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is this is great, man. I'm, I'm, I'm buying in here because they're reeling me in. They are selling this thing. And then I think to myself, if this had happened on Monday Night Raw, it would have been uh, Graves and Booker T arguing over a podcast that Booker had just done. And Michael Cole would have been reminding me uh, about mixed tag tournaments that are be going on on Facebook. So Jericho proceeds to just beat the ever-loving piss out of Kenny Omega. Bust him open. First time blood has been used in an angle in New Japan in years. Of course, we never see anybody getting color in the WWE anymore. I think that absolutely added to this angle, especially for the Japanese fans. It just made a it made it feel so much more personal. Until eventually the Young Bucks have to come out and run Jericho off with a baseball bat after Jericho completely obliterates Omega and takes out Don Callis in the meantime. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a great touch. What really sold it to me and let you just know how, how personal that they want this thing to get, uh, how much you should really be buying into this is a, a hatred of blood feud. I really loved it when Jericho took just took the blood of Omega and just speared it across his own face. And then grabs the U.S. title and starts grinding that yeah. into Omega's Cheese, forehead. Cheese graters, that son of a bitch. Oh, my gosh, man. It looked amazing. And, you know, the thing is, I saw it in real time because I was actually watching the show. And it was the gift of Jericho. I was marking the fuck out. It was amazing. And there's nothing about this that was hard. This is just a traditional pro wrestling angle. Yeah, you, two guys that that want to, you know, and yeah. There's not like really deep rooted. You know, this they worked everyone got this thing to come out of nowhere. You know, it really started with, hey, you know, I'm I'm better than you. I'm the best one just from this little area we're from. Then all right, now who's the current best in the world? You know, it's just it, it is truly a hatred driven from the desire to prove that you're the absolute best. So the next day they have in Japan, traditional press conferences where the talent shows up and the talent's wearing a suit and they sit down and the media is there in front of them. And the media gets to ask them questions. Love how they do that. It's done very much in a sports presentation. You don't get 20 minute promos in the middle of the ring, but you might get a 20 minute press conference. Omega comes out and says exactly what everybody was thinking i'm stupid i should have seen this coming it looks exactly like something that you would have seen on monday night raw that was my mistake and it's not gonna happen again and this goes on for about 20 minutes with the media just asking him questions and he's like this isn't gonna be about stars it's not who can hit their finisher the most times this is going to be a fight and it was amazing. So, they, so in this press conference, they they actually they're able to 
pretty much what we would get as an opening segment. Uh, but it's it's now it's it's in a setting where it's acceptable, and you have that feel. This is a legit sporting activity now. Omega's got his head all taped up, covering the bandage from yesterday. And then, and then what he's selling there is expect something different here. We know this is coming at you guys quick. This doesn't have the story that the that the title main event has. This is something different, but this is just as important. This is this is personal now. This is about blood. I, I am here to hurt Chris Jericho. Omega exits. They refill the water glasses, reset the chairs. Jericho enters, sits down, and starts talking with the media. And out of the middle of nowhere, about the third question in, Kenny Omega comes in and starts blasting Jericho. Just lighten this dude up. And the photographers are going nuts. Everybody's getting as close as they can. The other wrestlers are coming running in out of the hallways trying to separate these guys. Jericho gets up and literally picks up a table and throws it at Omega and takes out about three reporters at the meantime. You really legit believe these two guys fucking hate each other. And it's amazing. It's It's all about presentation, man, and making it believable. It's everything that is missing. It's kayfabe 2017. And of course, it's going to be Chris Jericho that brings it to you. So I guess this kind of begs a, a little bit of a question about Jericho. And, and this isn't on your run sheet, so this is just off the top of your head. What is your favorite era of Jericho? I don't think it's very fair to, to signal, single one out. Uh, the guy has been a continual pro in the, you know, in the terms of making sure that he evolves you know, I'm going to take. I'm going to pull that back. I'm going to completely pull back. I don't think that he's actually evolving with the with with the times in wrestling. I think he's a major contributor in making the times evolve with him a little bit. I mean, I think he's one of those trendsetters. Uh, and this could be something that he pulls off here. That he's putting the spotlight for the rest of the world on Western society. The fans with here, this might be what they demand going forward, and it's it'll be thanks to Chris Jericho. Now, of course, I'm a New Japan fan, so I'm watching the show live. And, of course, I immediately start getting a hold of people who don't watch New Japan on a regular basis, like yourself. And I'm like, dude, you you need to go watch this. Seriously. And I'm watching the internet explode. Yeah, I mean, everywhere you turned around, I mean, this was this was just taking over. Uh, this was consuming the entire internet wrestling community. I don't know why. It took me, like, until today to, like, sit down and be like, Okay, I, I need to see what's going on here. And as I'm watching the internet explode, the only thing that I could really think of was Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. Like, that was the moment when it was like, WCW's legit now. This is, this is going to be a real thing. I have a feeling in 10 years, you might be looking back on this and going, that was the moment. That was the moment that Hulk Hogan betrayed WCW, and we're in for a fight now. It's going to be. Well, fun we all to know watch. that we all know what competition creates. So uh, I, I can only hope that you are that you are one hundred percent, sir. This is me being hopeful because Vince does his best work when he's under pressure. 
also on the World Tag League show, we got... Wait, I got, I got one more question before you about that. Uh, the attack on Cyrus there. What is his status with New Japan right now? Cyrus is a commentator for New Japan. I understand that. But with his upcoming role with Impact Wrestling, is he going to continue on with New Japan or... At this time, that is the plan, at least for now. Okay. I, I was just curious about that. Yeah, there, there has been no formal announcement made. Um, on this show, he was putting over how excited he is for Wrestle Kingdom. So it does. It sounds like he's going to try to do both. Okay. Yeah, but it you, also for, sounds like in the completely kayfabe world, it sounds like, you know, impact tapings have been pushed back because we don't know, you know, the condition of Lord Cyrus. I did like at the end of the press conference, just aimlessly, Cyrus walks into the frame and he's in a neck brace. Nobody comments yep. on it. Nobody says nothing. He just kind of walks through the frame just so that you know. He's in a neck brace. Little nuances like that are awesome. That and Jericho telling that guy to, what are you laughing at, fuck face? That was fantastic. Did you see uh, when, when he uh, wrote down in the guy's notebook and then tore it up? <laughs> Jericho's uh, just I, great. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. So there was a couple other big things that happened on this show, so I'm just going to tie him in here. Okada and Nato. Uh, the next match after this, ironically enough, we get the unicorn of wrestling, and nobody's talking about it. Japan's two biggest stars pulled the infamous double turn. That was amazing. Why don't you go ahead and lay that out for everyone? So it's basically just a tag match. Okada and Ghetto versus Hiromu and Nato. They do this all the time. So just so... Okada and Nato can get a little bit of time in the ring together. And Nato and Hiromu go over. Nato starts cutting a promo as Okada and Ghetto are walking to the back. And I have no idea what he said because I don't understand Japanese. But Okada stops and kind of looks at him, hands the belt over to Ghetto. Nato keeps running his mouth and Okada comes in just full of piss and vinegar, chokes out Nato. And I mean chokes his ass out. Hiromu gets up, tries to stop it. Hiromu gets choked out, too. And Okada cuts some kind of a heel promo. Again, I don't understand Japanese, but I could tell that was a heel promo. The infamous double turn. That crowd is 100% behind Nato now and 100% against Okada, which is just incredible. Which is really changes, I mean... Of course, and when you do a turn like that, yes, it's supposed to turn the entire, you know, 180 everything there and just turn the tide so much. But the significance around this match itself and what a win at Wrestle Kingdom means for Okada and, and you know, the complete history of New Japan wrestling. I mean, you talk about up in the ante there. And what a title win would mean for Nato to solidify himself as a top guy. Nato needs this match. And. I just got to imagine NATO is just fuming about this Jericho and Omega thing. Just fuming on the inside. That's something I could talk about for at least an hour. Well, isn't it with Okada? Isn't it on the day of Wrestle Kingdom? He ties he Tanahashi for the longest reigning champion in history. If he retains, he breaks that record. So much on the line. Yeah. 
I, it's a big pressure match in Japan. And of course the West is far more concerned with Omega and Jericho, but inside of Japan, Okada and NATO, that thing is lit. Uh, also on the show, speaking of NATO, his cronies, I, I hate to call them cronies. They're really a faction. Los Ingobernables de Japón, Evil and Sonata win the World Tag League. Good for them. Uh, this is important because they are also six-man holders with a guy named Bushi, who is also in Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, they were supposed to defend the six-man titles at Wrestle Kingdom. They have now petitioned the New Japan management to face Killer Elite Squad and now defend the six-man titles at New Year's Dash, which is literally the day after Wrestle Kingdom and where most of your big angles get set up for 2018. Lots of stuff going on inside of this show, man. Lots of stuff. So how, how do you see that going down? Do you think they'll move that? <sighs> I would love to make, see... they make them do double duty? Well, I, I could see... Los Ingobernables walking out of Wrestle Kingdom with all the gold because Hiromu is also in the junior heavyweight title. Correct. Correct. I don't know. I don't know what uh, I could I also see them walking out with no gold. You know, it all depends on what Ghetto's got planned for 2018, and we'll find out by New Year's Dash. It'll only take two days to know how 2018 is going to go. It's going to be fascinating. My match of the week this week goes to Bushi, who had a match against Bad Luck Fale. Did you get to see this match, Rick? Did you see I, I any have, of this? This is I like a three-minute squash match. All right? <laughs> so this is fantastic. Bushi, I looked up, is 183 pounds, soaking wet. Uh, for those who don't know, Bad Luck Fale is 344 pounds of stuffed animal, bloodthirsty, murdering, bastard, underboss of the Bullet Club. So... Fale is basically twice the size of Bushi. Let me tell you how this match goes. Exactly how you think it would. Bad luck Fale just mindlessly murders Bushi for about three minutes. Goes to pin him. One, two. Nope. Picks him up. One, two. Nope. Picks him up. One, two. Nope. Picks him up. Until finally Bushi miss bad luck Fale, kicks him in the dick, screams, fuck you, and leaves. <laughs> it was awesome. That's my match of the week. It happens in Japan, so it's cool. Well, no, would, I, that's exactly how here. it would go, right? This you know, is he me. would be sitting here. He sits here fuming every week when I do that to Balor. This is the match that guys like you and and Ben Hamin rant about, right? If it's yeah, if it's going to be Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman, Strowman should just murder him, right? Yes, I, I'm just messing until with you. until Balor's final chance is he kicks him in the dick and screams "fuck you" and leaves. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And then later in the night, Bushi comes out to interfere in the World Tag League final match, and out comes Fale, just like full of piss and vinegar, chasing Bushi. Chases him all the way into the ring and chases him all the way to the back. Oh, that's good stuff. Poor Bushi's going to suffer just like Daryl. So where do you want to go now, Rick? Do you, do you want to go into Monday Night Raw? I guess, yeah. This is our, our time to... Kind of just review all the big happenings of the week and just kind of tends it. Like it or not, you know, WWE is the driving force around the world. That seems where we go. So let's let's kick it off at the top. You know, it's it's WWE week. So Monday Night Raw comes to us from the great state of Ohio in 
the land. The Monday land. double double shot of WWE from Ohio this week. Monday night talk. It was uh, one hour and fifteen minutes of wrestling on a three hour show. Uh, Quicken Loans Arena. The upper bowl evidently was tarped off. I guess they sold about twelve thirteen thousand seats in a twenty thousand seat arena. And the raw rating was god awful. Because it was kind of a god awful show. What did you think of this show? Just overall, your your overall thoughts of the show. Really, I, I felt like it was just it was running so long. Uh, I kept kind of just looking down to the, you know, as always, uh, have Raw on the television, heavily involved with social media over in the Hacker Hami Media Group with Acer's live threads. Actually, want to throw a, a shout out here to Acer uh, since we are. A day behind on the recording schedule is getting out a little, a little later. My fault again. But I it, I thought about going back and re-watching Raw again to refresh my memory. I was, nah, I, I wasn't going to do that. So I turned to our man Acer over there who does an incredible job. Uh, he's actually, he's probably the only positive member of commentary when it comes to these WWE programming. You, like you feel you, he's there just for you. He really brings it to life, so I'm, I'm kind of going through and using his notes as a guide of what we got going on. But I remember sitting there watching and looking at the clock and just thinking, like, this is, man, this this is taking forever. It, it, I, I'm surprised. I think this is probably a higher wrestling time mark than usual. I thought these matches seemed like they were just dragging. There were some and everyone really seemed long the matches. same to me. And there were some it good matches to... on this show. Don't get me wrong. There was definitely some good wrestling on this show. but I, I don't know. Every match seemed the same to me. I felt like I was seeing the same spots, the same timing. Well, let's talk about the opening promo and then brawl. So, so Joe comes out, because I, I did not understand this at all. Maybe you can explain it to me. So Joe's in the ring, cuts a pretty decent promo. Calls out Roman Reigns. We go to a camera shot of Seth and Dean watching on the monitor. No Roman. Yeah. And, and uh, it, actually, it's it, just it, like, what in the hell is going on? How many times has Joe got to call out the big dog? I mean, he called him out like four times. Is it, was Roman taking a shit? Well, you know, he's calling him out. So we don't know where, where, where Roman is at. Then originally, it's just Seth sitting there watching, and Dean comes in and asks what's going on. Like, really? Like, you guys every, aren't at work? I you thought know, Roman was going to be laid going? out backstage or something. Like, the way that Joe was calling Roman out and Roman wasn't coming, I thought Roman must be in a heaping pile on the floor somewhere. Which I think would have been more effective. You know, he's out there making, like, light of it. Uh, oh, this coward isn't going to come out here. He doesn't have what it takes to come out here and face a real man. And then we see him laid out where he was blindsided somewhere else. Kind of made him look like a bitch. And kind of made him look like a bitch. And then Roman gets in the ring and just beats the shit out of Joe. And it's just like, what the hell's going on here? And then Seamus and Cesaro show up and it was like, ah, okay. This was all a rouse to get Roman out here by himself so that the three of them can beat up Roman Reigns and then have... The rest of the shield come out, and thus we set up all the matches that were already announced last week. What the fuck? It, it confuses me at times what they what they really think of you know what people 
it seems sometimes they spend like they'll just they think so many people are following social media. Well, we're setting up these matches for this, like like Clash of Champions. Almost all those matches were announced on social media, and then given no setup on on television or post setup or anything like that. But then things like this, they act like people didn't know about. Yeah, I was just baffled why we're setting up the matches that were already announced like last Wednesday. Hey, you know, again, over in the, uh, the Hameen media discussion group on Facebook, uh, William Alicia put up a, a thread before the show went on, you know, he was expecting a big open. He, he was really hyped. He was hoping for Woken Hardy to kick the show off. And I laid out, I said, man, and I'll tell you, and I laid out like four bullet points and they were pretty much all right on the money. Uh, take, you know, I thought maybe Angle would be involved here, but he wasn't. But I stood in the open. You're going to get, there's already three announced matches. They're going to spend 25 minutes just setting up these three announced matches. And that's exactly what they did. So it seems like this whole thing is leading to Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns at the Rumble, right? Is that the uh, impression that you, you get? You would guess that's where they're heading. Yeah, that would, that's going to be one of your big undercard matches. Okay, so we're going to do Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns in Philadelphia at the Royal Rumble on any level is that a good idea hmm you know Philly they they were the arena that that killed him once uh, they were also that was the crowd that where you thought it was, was maybe turning around for Roman as he was heading in when he had to go in and defend the championship in the rumble. Uh, Cause remember when he had just completely annihilated Sheamus in that city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they took to him, man. He, and everyone thought this is it. They're going to unleash Roman. They even got the Philly fans to support him. But then within the next week or so, they completely just threw that into the trash for it seemed like it didn't happen. Uh, so it is going to be kind of an unpredictable crowd and kind of now I'm thinking about timing, how things are laid out. Do you think there's a possibility that this doesn't make that show and they, they just keep these two um, just for the Rumble? I know you can do both with these time, with an undercard match and participate in the Rumble, but do you think they'll hold off on this and maybe use this for – because we still have – man, you got to remember, we still got six weeks of, of Raw before we get there. I don't know, man. I, I guess maybe you could do it on Christmas. Assuming that they're going to make that a good show and not just a throwaway show. I think I keep in the back of my mind, and I'm probably completely off the mark here, totally missing it. I th- I think they're going to give us two weeks of great programming, and that and to me that's just because I think since Survivor Series, it's it's been throwaway shows. Yeah, very much so. But yeah, so I'm if, hoping that they start hyping it up here, but if, but that's probably I'm probably just being naive to think otherwise. If the plan is Joe and Roman in Philly. I don't think that's going to work out well for Roman Reigns. I have this theory, and I had it in the run at the beginning of the show. I'm going to throw it in here. Why Roman Reigns is not the guy. It really clicked for me this week. So I'm watching late night TV, right? And I keep seeing the commercial for this damn Ferdinand movie. Number one, John Cena needs to have somebody fired who decided to release his movie the same day as Star Wars. That was a terrible idea. But that said, 
John Cena is going to make a whole bunch of money off of this movie. John Cena is going to make a whole bunch of money off of the Transformers movie. John Cena is doing Jimmy Fallon, making a complete fucking ass of himself on TV. The next morning, John Cena is doing Good Morning America. Can you see Roman Reigns doing any of that stuff? Well, at this point, I, I don't, you know, that, that's it's going to be down the road in his career. At this point, I don't think it's fair to compare them because Roman's just getting started in his wrestling career. This, is, this isn't this is John Cena the wrestler. This is John Cena the actor. This is Hollywood John. I'm just feeling more and more like Roman Reigns is a lot more Triple H than he is The Rock or John Cena. And that's no disrespect to Triple H, but Triple H was never that guy either. But, but you're asking him to be a Hollywood type. I'm asking him to be the face of the brand. You can go out. Yeah, you can be the face of the brand. Go out and do those little things like that. I'm sure Roman Reigns would go to any PR function if they need him to go to on behalf of WWE. I believe, I believe he's done the morning talk show circuit. Uh, he goes to each town that they're in. He goes and does things like that. He just doesn't need to be doing it on the same scale as John Cena right now because John Cena is out representing the John Cena brand and movie franchises. He's not necessarily there for Vince and the WWE. And in the meantime, the Raw ratings are plummeting because there's no star. And they think Roman Reigns is that star, and he's just not. He's a Triple H. He's the supporting cast. He's your number one supporting cast guy. But you need that face. Well, of the like brand. you go back, you're like you're mentioning there. You know, you mentioned that Cena and Rock could go do all those things. Yes, because those two are set for something, you know, something outside of WWE, something grander than that. Richard, you're right. Your Triple H's and probably Roman Reigns are not there yet. But I'll tell you another guy who was not all about, you know, the talk show circuit and doing all those things until he had left and found other things. That was Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's yeah. arguably the biggest star ever in the business. Yeah. And, and that said, one of my favorite shows on television right now is uh, Steve Austin's Broken Skull Ranch. I oh, love I love that, that show, show. Love, love that, that show. show. So I-, I wish they would find some ways to incorporate how they shoot that thing and their production values into the wrestling WWE product. I love how they shoot that thing. You would think Jeremy Borash shot that show, wouldn't you? With oh, the number yeah. of drone yeah. shots and shit. Yeah. I-, I love it, man. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that show, but I absolutely love it. I would, I would love to see uh, Stone Cold hook up with WWE and get a couple of the WWE superstars on there. Oh, man. I'd love to see him just get embarrassed trying to run the Skullbuster. Well, I want to see Braun Strowman run the Skullbuster. I, I was, I've always said, man, I'd love to see those guys on Broken Skull, and I'd always love to see a WWE uh, American Ninja Warrior crossover. Ooh, yeah. I'd like to see that, too. I'd like to see that, too. All right. Let Kofi let Kofi go out after the uh, the Ninja Warrior obstacle course. Ooh, would Kofi be your number one your number one pick for that? Uh, probably current. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I think it was like the CrossFit guys. I know Seth's real big yeah, into it. Seth you was know, the first one that came to mind for me. Well, you know, all you know, first one that comes to your mind, but he's not what the company is. Uh, is Johnny Mungo, Johnny Impact, John Morris? Yeah, yeah, John Hannigan. Yeah. Ooh, that's an that's an interesting topic for later on down the road. Rollins versus Sheamus, I thought was awesome and a little uncomfortable to watch. Just knowing what Sheamus is dealing with, with his neck issues right now. That was a fantastic match for a guy who's basically hurt. Yeah, surprised that they even, this thing, 
did you get the official time on this one or do you um, know ballpark? I, I didn't, but I'm sure I can find it real quick while you're talking. Well, it, it, all right. It's definitely 10 plus minutes, right? Oh, yeah. I was surprised it let this thing run this this long. Uh, and I will give them some some great props here. You, you see this so often, uh, especially you learn so much when you're when you're sitting through these live discussions uh, with Ben Hameen. He gives you that great insight that sometimes goes over, you know, us, our, us regular Joe's heads uh, about some of the timing and where spots should be worked out and how the show should flow. Uh, and after all these years of listening to him, you start absorbing that. And they did a pretty good job. I didn't think they really – they didn't ruin too much of what I should be expecting down the line. 14 minutes was okay, the timing perfect. on that match. Uh, the the only thing that really got me was that superplex Falcon Arrow spot with Seth selling the knee and knowing that Sheamus is dealing with neck issues right now. I was just like, holy shit, guys. Save a little bit for the pay-per-view or something. My God. Fantastic match, though. I enjoyed yeah, watching I, it. I know I said earlier, this is probably the only match I didn't really get bored with on this show. It's because it was the first one, right? Well, no. Wasn't I, it the first I, one? Well, I, I did, this didn't do a lot of things. It, it did open. It didn't do a lot of things. That, look, I don't. There wasn't a lot of false finishes and things like that in there, was there? No. Not that I recall. Okay, so, so it didn't. it didn't take away from those moments that get you on your edge of your seat that are supposed to get you to pop for me. And you could see the match going either way. Yeah, it set a good pace. This was the only one of the three matches that you legitimately could see going either way. Like, you knew that Reigns was going to win, and you were pretty damn sure that Joe was going to win. Yeah, they're, they're, they're your two focal points here. They're just trying to tie things together. So, Rollins versus Sheamus, I don't know who's going to win. I'm already more emotionally invested in this than I am the other two matches. It's kind of weird. This is the one that you you could just flip a coin. This is your rubber match, and they're leading with it. Yeah. Seems, seems flawed in logic, doesn't it? I figured they would open with Reigns versus Cesaro, and looking at the rating numbers, they should have, because, as always, your peak audience was the top of the show. Well, you know where this went, and it's almost almost what they perceive as their main event, the real main event for the evening. It's going to go down about 15, 20 to 15 minutes before hour three kicks in. So uh, It's almost for- like they were on that two-hour time slot, and that's where they're going to put in that true main event. So Reigns versus Cesaro on the clock watch. The only m- match that I really clocked, of course, because I'm, I'm stuck on this now. Took Roman Reigns 17 minutes to beat Cesaro. That one seems a bit more legit, though, than 15 minutes versus Elias and 21 minutes versus Jason Jordan. I agree with you there because, you know, Cesaro is highly regarded as, you know, pure technician, you know, between the ropes, bell to bell, one, one of the top in the world. Now, my question. He's going to push you. My question for you regarding Cesaro is assuming that Sheamus is going to be taking a little bit lighter schedule, possibly taking some time off, potentially retiring. Where does that leave Cesaro? Guy's got the worst timing in the world. I I am thinking at this point, if there is an extended leave for Sheamus and Hey man, let's, I don't even want to talk about the guy potentially losing his career. No, it's a hell of a note to even think about, man. I I wonder 
Is there any like how how pressing is it that he might be leaving the road? Are they going to try to push him through WrestleMania, or they're saying like, hey man, let us figure something out just for the short term to get you off, and then maybe reevaluate a month into rest towards WrestleMania to see where you're at? I don't know. Uh, when when I hear spinal stenosis, my brain immediately goes to Edge, and how quick and abrupt that ended. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did some serious stuff, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a medical professional. I mean, no, any and, means, and, but... and we have no idea the severity, but you, when I hear spinal stenosis, the two, my, the two names that immediately come to mind are edge and sting. Gotcha. Uh, so back to the question here, we're saying, all right, you know, what, what does this hold for Cesaro? What could, where is he going to go here? Top, right up top of my head immediately in my mind, you, you try to make the best moves for the talent, and especially the. But more important than that, right now for WrestleMania season, you want to create the best possible matches. I would come up with a scenario where somehow there's a trade involved between the brands, get Cesaro away from Raw, get him into a, like a fresh light uh, where he can be by himself. Don't give me any cheesy breakup. Just come out and say, "Yes, yeah, Sheamus has to take time off. This is a serious issue." Send Cesaro to SmackDown. You can insert him anywhere over there. He can immediately become one of your main event players over there. I would love to see Cesaro versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. I would love to see that. Well, there's so many angles you could go over there with so many great talents that he could just have that fresh start. And, you know, it always goes back to the, there's just that perception about the blue brand, and he has that all over. Yeah, absolutely. On the flip, the people I would trade him for would immediately come over and start feuding with Rollins and Ambrose and set up a tag championship match for WrestleMania, and that would be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Joe and Ambrose, anything that you want to say about that match? No. no that didn't I mean, do anything for me. I was. It was Joe versus Ambrose. I, I just cannot... In- Joy Dean Ambrose matches anymore, man. I don't know what it is. It's just something. It's the same match every. Week. I've had to, and you, and you know, when we started this, well, you know, me and you, we became friends over a year ago. We've been, we've been talking regularly, daily since then. Uh, and then we got into the show and all that. And for the longest time, I was sitting to defend Dean because just the roots of Cincinnati, and I was there when he started. I was rooting for him to get to this point. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's just everything is so there is nothing crisp about his in-ring product or his presentation. Uh, It just looks like he's lazy as hell going through motions right now. It's just not entertaining. And, you know, the funny thing is, is two weeks ago we were on here putting over Ambrose and how he was the only one benefiting from the shield reunion. But immediately he takes off the shield gear and it's right back to the old Ambrose. I only it, like it, it Ambrose really in the is. shield. It, it's, you know, you, you kept you like the Jekyll and Hyde. It's, it's more like, you know, Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah. It's or, just or, crazy. It, yeah. It's, they are so different. His entire demeanor and swagger and how he carries himself and how he talks and everything is just so different when he's in that shield gear. It's just a confidence issue. I think I don't get it. I don't get it. Speaking of other things I don't get, Braun Strowman versus Kane. So we're going to get a Rumble triple threat. 
That's the way it looks. Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman versus Kane. Hey, hey, going back real quick. You remember Monday in the locker room uh, when we were going through this rundown on this? And I said, hey, man, I don't think this thing's ever going to happen. I, I didn't think the match was going to go down. And I kind of threw that out there like just sarcastically because I didn't know how, you know, in my mind how I would really see this thing going down. And sure enough, this is the direction they're going in. So Brock versus Strowman versus Kane. My question is, does anybody give a shit? Going back, another plug here. Another plug for the Hummy Media Discussion Group. Uh, you know, we've, we've got live discussion threads going for all the major shows. We're, we're going to have them going. I think we're going to have one uh, up for Final Battle, Clash of, Clash of Champs. Next week's Raw and Smackdowns. Every week we've got those things going on. But, man, th- this was, uh, I don't think anyone in there really cared about this triple threat. And that's why I, I came in when po- everyone was talking about the possibility that this, you know, this is going to be a triple threat. I, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm rooting for Kane here. Who's going to win seen, this match? I, I've seen Braun do this. I said, I'm rooting for Kane because he hasn't taken on Brock. It's something a little bit different, and it doesn't matter who's taking on Brock. We know who's going to win the match. Exactly. It is a throwaway filler match for a, a major pay-per-view. And this is why nobody cares. Because we know Brock Lesnar is going to win. Like, I am so ready to be done with WrestleMania this year. I've never I, had this I'm feeling even, before. I'm not even so mad. I'm not even so mad that... Well, I don't think everyone is is kind of feeling with me. I'm, I'm not so mad that I know Brock Lesnar is going to win. That's you. You usually know your champ is going over. You know, there's bigger plans for him, but the bigger plan that we all know that's there is what's leaving the sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yep. I'm just over it. I'm over it. I just want it done and fucking over with. Well, and that's why I kind of going back to it. I was like, man, just let Kane have this moment because we know this is going to be a throwaway garbage match on the pay-per-view. My greater question now is, does this actually hurt the Royal Rumble match? I mean, if you take out Joe and Roman and then Braun, Kane, and Brock, who who is going to be left to be in the Rumble? Well, I don't you don't have to necessarily take out uh, Roman and Joe because we've seen, you know, those involved in undercard matches for the second tier titles. They will go compete. In the Royal Rumble, I don't. I don't think we have to really worry so much about that there. Uh, but yeah, but usually you do not see someone competing for a, one of the top titles and then go on to compete in the Royal Rumble itself. And half the appeal of the Royal Rumble is how in the hell are we going to get guys like Braun Strowman and Kane out of here? That's half the appeal of the whole freaking match, right? So like the biggest guy that's going to be in the match is Baron Corbin, really? I want Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman to face off in the middle of the ring. Well, yeah, and they, they've got they've got business to finish. Yes, that's the one thing I've been looking forward to all year, and now Braun Strowman is not even going to be in the goddamn Royal Rumble. Here's a thought: You think they're possibly downplaying the men's Rumble a little bit for extra hype around the women's Rumble? Oh, that would not surprise me. That would not surprise me. I don't I don't agree with it in any way. I think you, you should come out, you know, hitting it as hard as you can, hitting all cylinders for both matches. But I can see it in their logic about trying to pull that one back a bit. Oh, you're probably right. God, I would that's... all I would almost be to the point 
if you had to make a decision here, I would have just would have left Brock off this show. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Brock Lesnar does not need to be on this show. Uh, I don't. No one is going to be tuning in. No one is buying a ticket. This is uh, this arguably could become your bathroom break match. Yeah, because the Rumble sells itself. I the it's, and it's the Rumble. And it's not and it's not like you're suddenly dropping on us that there's not going to be a top title defense. We're all of us as fans are used to this. We're we're used to Brock just going away for months at a time. If you want to do something actual special with Brock, I'm sorry. I, I know he's a prize fighter. That's the, their their philosophy. If you have need people to pay to see him, uh oh, something to you know maybe spike that rating. We there? Yeah, I got you. Oh, maybe we do something to spike that rating and advertise him that you know what he's actually going to wrestle on television. He's going to wrestle on USA. Well, let's talk about the women's division. I mean, that's kind of where we're at here. We've on this show we had Bailey, Mickey, Sasha versus the Harem. Still calling them that, even though Jersey Mike gets pissed. I was gonna say. I, I think I was gonna say. I think you're like confusing the hell out of everybody. I know Jersey Mike gets so mad about that. They're not called that. Yeah, they are. They're the fucking Harem. Um. So the Harem plus microphones equals my ears bleeding. They are so bad on the mic. All three of them. Just God freaking awful. And I so badly want to reach through my television and grab Paige by the fucking tongue and rip the goddamn thing out of her fucking head since she can't keep it in her fucking mouth. It's like I'm talking to my four-year-old. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel there, Jared. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know, every time they come out, I, I make a comment. You know, if it's in a chat thread or... If it's on Twitter, if I happen to be watching it with somebody, they are doing these girls zero favors by putting mics in their hands. Absolution is a symphony of carnage, and the music is about to start. Nobody in the world fucking talks like that. Here's my thing here. You know, there's we're supposed this is supposed to be an intimidating badass crew, right? Uh, they're they're here to reclaim Paige's house. They're here to to shake the raw women's division in its very core, just rock the foundation. Nothing nothing hammers at home, right? Than coming out and cutting ten minutes of shitty promos. Uh, where's the ass kicker side here? Oh. You know, Paige Paige was Paige came from an era where yeah they were tired of the Barbie dolls and the bikini matches and the pillow fights. She was based on wrestling. It, it was her house because she got it done in the ring. Where, where the hell is that? All these comparisons to the Shield, those are pretty much faded now. Haven't you noticed? Oh God! The Shield, the Shield wasn't going around doing this stuff. The Shield was kicking ass. Yeah, that, yeah, that's so far in the rearview mirror that you can't even see it anymore. And then later in the night, we get Oscar versus the Harem, and this just drives me insane, man. I mean, I, I understand the three-on-one beatdown of Asuka. I even understand Asuka getting a little bit of the better of them to begin with until the numbers game finally catches up to her. But then the entire women's roster comes running out to make the save 
for Asuka, who's just beating the shit out of people. And they come out and they just lay waste to the harem. What was the point of all this? Well, we know the point. It's to lay groundwork for a rumble match, but I, I guess it's I just guess, inside the narrative. It's so sloppy. Yeah. There's no uh, thought going into this at all. The, in the logic here, which I didn't really buy into, the ones that I didn't really get, I, I could, I guess I can make an argument. You know, a lot of these girls were just on her Survivor Series team. Okay, so maybe you know she she won for us. Uh, and these other and these girls have also attacked us. They've done something to us. So there are a few there that I, I really didn't get. Uh, Dana Brooke, that, that didn't make any sense to me. If anyone has beef with with Asuka, it's Dana Brooke. It's, it's Alicia and she, Fox. And well, and and Dana Brooke hasn't had any issue with with Absolution, has she? No, they haven't touched one hair on her head. Yeah. So there's nothing there for her to care about. If anyone should be enjoying what happened. It should be her, right? That's number one. And then you have Alexa Bliss, the chicken shit heel, who's been running away from them for weeks. I, so I wouldn't even call. I w- okay, she does have that chicken shit side to her, but she also has, you know, just like the Miz has that. She's also calculating. So why would she even? Why would she risk anything out there? Especially with everyone else, she hates all those other people just as much as she hates Absolution. Exactly. Exactly. How do we get all the women on the show in one segment? Oh, I know, boss. This is what we'll do. Even if all the women go out, wouldn't it make sense for Bliss to, like, step back and just stand off with her title, kind of overlooking everyone? She should have been watching from the ramp. Yeah, she she should have stopped and then just kind of sat there with a laugh on her face and then she pulls the title out of nowhere and says, look at all you guys. It's still about me. And wouldn't that even be a better setup for the Rumble? Because then it gives everyone in that ring like staring up at something they're going to be chasing here in a month or so. And the only An opportunity woman, at that. The only woman who doesn't come running out is Nia Jax. No, she was out there. Was she out there? I guess I, I totally missed that. Yeah, she was there. That's what uh, happens which when again, I watch things on fast forward because I cannot which, which, stand looking again, at page. I'm almost positive. I could be wrong here. I'm pretty sure that she was out there. Well, by all accounts. Wasn't it her music they hit? Shit, I don't remember. Killed that brain cell. Okay, well that's Probably that's how effective it was. Uh, if she was, if she was, wasn't out there, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure she was. But again, what's her beef with anything? Well, th- this is what I thought was interesting by the live. Oh, accounts, I, know, I know what hers is. She had to join all the other pretty girls at what they were doing because she has to be a, one of those pretty girls. By all accounts, Nia Jax got the women's pop of the night. For her interaction with Enzo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that tells you how flat this entire division is falling. Nia Jax got the women's pop of the night for her love interest storyline with Enzo. Uh, But yeah. Are you popping with me or popping at me? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's. You know, it goes back to people say, like, any heat's good heat. No, not, it, any pop is not a good pop. And this was more of, and I think it's WWE getting exactly what they wanted uh, because this has been set up as, like, a joke on both of those two, you know? Speaking of bad pops, let's talk about Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Uh, this was basically a copy and paste from last week, wasn't it? 
Hey, at first, I thought it was a replay. I was, and then I was like, wait a minute, that's all we're going to get from this? Uh, I, I felt like this is what happened. They Somebody backstage, probably Vince, thought this was really, really funny. But it was in the third hour. And last week, 717,000 people turned it off. So let's move it to the first hour this week and see if it holds a rating. I that's very much what I got the impression that this was. It, it came off, I, and I and I don't want to sit here and bash it because it was so campy and cheesy. I'm so it wasn't working for me, but I understand. You know, before when the broken thing started, I, you know that was the feeling from a lot of fans. They really didn't understand what was going on. It was something so different than what they were used to. And now, but after seeing Broken and knowing how well that came together and how campy and cheesy worked there, but it just felt so different than this. Going back two weeks ago when people were high on this and they were saying, give this a chance, I'm not hearing so much from those individuals this week. I think they really lost a lot of people that were invested in this thing. I think we know who the creative mind behind this is now. It's that guy that we keep talking about. The guy who does six months worth of creative in six minutes. Because that's where I feel like we're at. When Matt got broken the first time around, it took fucking months. It was like a two-month storyline just to get too broken. Here we are with Matt, six minutes in, and we're six months into the storyline. And that's why it's just not connecting. That, and you keep putting him on this freaking blue curtain that looks like shit no here's what got me uh james powers james have powers he he, i popped big for this when he brought this up in the discussion group he thought it was a shower curtain (laughs) i started yeah it's like dude i think he's right like he's right so it seems like they just got this like aqua blue shower curtain there and they went and just got hardy I don't know, some whatever whitening treatment, maybe the Crest Whitening Strips is coming on as official sponsor for the road to WrestleMania. And then it's just, the whole premise is just him laughing. The reason this thing worked was because the Broken Universe was not part of the TNA Universe. Right? Right. It didn't take place inside the Impact Zone. It wasn't carefully edited by some doofus backstage back and forth and now we even have a woken graphic did you see that this week we go from the the Bray Wyatt thing to now there's a woken graphic and it pops up on the screen woken and it like gets sliced in half and fades away okay and it goes back to Matt Hardy all right so they've already it's gone corporate now it's so bad uh the only the other major issue that I had inside of what was happening there is that the immediately let's go you know, to our six to our six minute man Booker that they immediately have to start going to Sister Abigail about how Matt has met her and you know different different beings about his travels through the space time continuum. We need the teleporter back. We need Matt Hardy to be able to teleport throughout all of space and time in order for this thing to work. And when Brother Nero comes back, we have to have them teleport to SmackDown to win the SmackDown tag titles and teleport to NXT to win the NXT tag titles and go on an expedition of gold. There's there's so much that they could be doing 
going and they're back doing nothing and just retelling it. You know, not to be like like they have to go back and recreate the entire story, but you know, with the WWE's like their reach when they when they did their the uh, all of space and time tag team tournament or tag team match, WWE's got the the ability to pull in some of those big names like that. Absolutely, they, they, he could. Not saying you go back and do that, but you could go back to like set up old arenas, like you know something not exactly the same, but something along the lines of Southpaw, where it's like in a black and white arena and they're filming it with the Road Warriors versus uh, the Powers of Pain. Dude, they're going to be filming NXT <laughs> in the old WCW soundstage, and you somehow drop in Hardy somehow. Send I, I don't Matt know. back there. Oh, it'd be so freaking cool. Send him into the WCW Power Center. You know, like do something cool but no we're just doing nothing uh the cruiserweight division let's take all of the awesome plans that i had for finn balor and throw them out the window because cedric alexander is now in this program cedric alexander versus enzo amore not gonna sell any tickets drew gulak versus enzo amore not gonna sell any tickets uh i think you know i Hey, Gulak's getting over. You got to give him that, man. The match was cool. It was a, it was, it was probably the best cruiserweight match I've seen no, since no, they've no, been I on the main I, roster. I'm just talking about Gulak. To me, he's taking over. He's becoming the most over thing going on right now. Absolutely, because he's making fun of the entire show, which everybody agrees with and relates to. Uh, with that, though, I, I don't know. The match was the same to me. There wasn't anything different than I've ever seen from anything 205 Live. Uh, it. I'm sorry. I, I just not mean to offend anyone out there, but anyone that has followed anything that people from inside that company talk about, they will tell you this about Vince. I I, I don't even think that. Do you think Vince even knew the difference? Uh, he's like, well, we lost one black guy. Let's just put the other one in there. Or maybe he didn't even know there was a difference between the two. I halfway expected them to debut Leo Rush just as a rib on everybody. <laughs> it's just. Well, here's and I like Cedric. Here's the problem. I like Cedric. Everyone, everyone had a pitch of how you could approve this. This is a moment for you to take this very negative and twist it into a, a positive that is much needed for for 205 Live and the cruiserweight division. Everyone got their hopes up. Everyone kind of had, had a vision. We had great conversation with with all the individuals in the in the circles that we run in. But we all, I, I'm pretty sure we all knew deep down inside, this is the match that we're going to go with. You they know were just going to take the leftovers that already lost their opportunity and give them a second shot. You know what the funny thing about this entire thing is to me is NXT was on USA last night, of course, and the main event was Adam Cole versus Aleister Black. That'll sell more tickets on 205 Live than it will in NXT and definitely more tickets than Enzo Amore against Drew Gulak or Cedric Alexander. Hey, I'm, I'm telling you what. I, we're we're going to move into SmackDown here shortly. I was at SmackDown Live for reasons we will get into. I did not stick around for 205. Stuck around just for a little bit of the beginning to check out kind of what the transition was like. Decided to get the hell out of there. If I knew that 205 Live was going to be headlined at the end of that night, by Adam Cole and Black. Dude, I was stuck around for that match. Yep. I wasn't even going to bring up Balor on this show, but by live reports, as far as your babyface pop of the night goes, 
it belonged to Strowman this week. That's the first time I've heard that. Balor was number two. He's already fallen off. He was in a two-minute squash match against Curtis Axel. That's my hot take. Almost as fucking pathetic as WWE's booking of their potential lead babyface. Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan, I guess that's the last thing to talk about on Raw. It was kind of nice that for the first, like, you know, two hours of the show, I forgot that we had a general manager. I did enjoy that. It, it, it was about that time, somewhere early in the third hour, occurred to me, like, we haven't seen either of these guys Yeah, yet. we haven't seen Kurt or Jordan. What the hell's going on? Oh, there they are. Kurt's on his phone. Um, what did you think about the interaction this week? Is Jordan progressing at all for you? Is this story going anywhere, or are you just checked out on it? Hey, I, like I said, I will give them credit. They are actually sticking with this. They are seeing it through. Man, I was I was half expecting that that Jordan was going to end up interfering in the Kane Strowman match, uh, getting that thing like to a no contest, and in some way finagling his way by oh dad 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 I, I give me the shot give me the shot i mean i was half expecting and hell we don't know yet it hasn't been set in stone that jason jordan was somehow gonna get that match with brock lesnar at the rumble hey because you know it's a fucking throwaway match i would have been more interested in that match than what's gonna happen and here's why jason jordan collegiate wrestler brock lesnar collegiate wrestler those two could have had some real potential there to do something cool Hey, even with Brock going over, I would have been far more interested in that match. Hey, you you know in the in the short term, Brock's going over. We know that. But in the short term, that could they could have had some interest behind it, had some legs under it, because like you said, you actually do have someone with a legitimate background going against Brock Lesnar. Uh, you could also play in some some great interaction between Paul Heyman and Kurt Angle. Yeah. You got that element you could throw in there. And hell, this is just going to fill what this just fills you in for six weeks. And in, in hell, you could end up in a time. Hell, let's let's be honest here. Jordan has taken Roman Reigns to the limit. He's been in there with Kane and with Braun Strowman. You could make some roundabout argument and you talk about getting some heat on that kid. Man, I, I don't know if it would direct it towards the right kind of heat because I think he's in that weird area where the right moves could make him a great heel for you, or if it's just the die, Rocky, die, X-Pac heat. He is progressing, though. I think I think these last couple of weeks have been big strides for Jason Jordan. I think he is progressing. Still would have liked to have seen Chad Gable in this role. Anything else that you want to say about Monday Night Raw? Well, you know, we were, we were just talking about two guys that had very little screen time this week. I want to talk about someone that didn't get any screen time this week. And this is something I've been burning on thinking about this year. We'll go back to the locker room Wednesdays a couple weeks ago where Ben made mention about the possibility of Roman and Seth being upset that one Elias was being spotlighted against Roman Reigns uh, and his potential sabotage how Seth was really put on a hot match before so that those pop spots in the follow-up big match with Elias and Roman wouldn't seem that big. So we see that, you know, he, he put Elias goes out there and puts a, you know, for all argument's sake, has a great match with, with Roman takes him 
the distance is kind of where you started noticing these longer matches with Roman and how compared like how we're supposed to believe he's going to beat Brock. But so then the next week, the fans are kind of taken to Elias. So the next week they send him out and he pretty much just gets beat up by Braun. And now he's gone. Yeah. That's is, a good is catch. This, hey, is this, is this a case of don't fly too high or some brass is going to clip your wings? That's a good catch. Yeah, where was Elias this week? Huh. Interesting. Pretty interesting how you go from the, the the peak of the mountain almost a couple weeks ago. You're almost right there. People are taking notice. You've got one of the hottest over acts going. Then you suddenly get fed to uh, two of the big stars in their eyes, and then you're gone. All right, let's toss it over to a break. We're going to get Rick's live in-person review of SmackDown Live. And I can tell you this, right now is the teaser. I'm going to bury the shit in a Bobby Lee. We'll be right back. that was the Goodyear Pimps from Rockford, Illinois, with their song Japanese Game Show off the album. More songs about drugs with curse words. Rick, that's very much how I felt about SmackDown. You were in the building. Uh, how do you want to approach this? Do you want to talk about the presentation? Do you want to talk about the matches? Like, How do you want to approach this review? Well, just one thing before we jump into the show. I just want to give a major shout out and a thank you to one Michael uh, Melker. Not Melcher, Michael Melker. He is the executive editor 
over at the GorillaPosition.com, our partners there who, uh, who bring you this great content from the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast twice a week. Uh, he drove all the way up from Louisville to join me for the show. Uh, we've talked before, talked on a weekly basis, but we've never actually met before, so it was great to, to finally meet someone in person. Uh, we talked uh, all things GorillaPosition.com, things that we've got going on here at the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast, how we can improve our partnership. Uh, just a great meeting that we had. Uh, so I want to thank him for joining me. Uh, to the show itself, I, I think this can be kind of unique. I, I was looking forward to uh, this, this segment with you to exchange our ideas. I have not watched the televised version of this yet. I wanted to just keep fresh in my mind how I felt during that live experience. Gotcha. Uh, so, okay. So maybe we could just work through the show together uh, and, and we can compare, you know, things that I've seen, things that I noticed as to what you've seen with the home audience. I, I do have one quick story before we jump into it. I, I think I scared the shit out of Mike White right there. Oh, no. Uh, what did you do? Well, we, we had some great seats. Uh, I want to say thank you to Brock Restoration. Uh, they're, they're based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, they have a, pr- a private box at the arena, at the U.S. Bank Arena, and they were gracious enough to, to give us a handful of tickets. Uh, so we, we had a great you know, a great view of everything going on. Uh, and on top of just the other hassles, you know, we have a private bathroom. There's a lounge in our box. You know, there's there's a bar. We've got our own food attendants bringing things up. That in itself, you know, it, it, it brings a different dynamic to any event that you attend there. Top-notch facility, top-notch box seat. Really enjoyed ourselves from that aspect. Now, uh, have, now have, before we get too far into this, have you been to this arena before? I have. Uh, it's, it is pretty much, especially here in the last... I don't know, 10 years, uh, anything big that goes down that needs, that needs an indoor venue in Cincinnati, this is the spot. Okay. Have you been to a Raw or SmackDown in this venue before? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. How did, just comparatively, crowd size, crowd interest, the buzz about the city, how did Cincinnati feel about this show as opposed to previous shows that you had been to in that building? Well, I went off for comparison. I arrived downtown fairly early. Uh, my intention was to go down there with the camera and try to go around to the local restaurants and bars in that area and try to get some fan interaction that I could share with all of our listeners and social media followers. Because this is right downtown Cincinnati, right? This, this is correct. I mean, this is right there next to uh, Great American Ballpark, the home of the Reds, and okay. uh, Paul Brown, the home of the Bengals. It sits right on the bank of the Ohio river gotcha. uh, overlooking into Kentucky there. So, I mean, it's right there in the heart of downtown. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so so there's there. a lot of nightlife, tourist attractions, bars, restaurants. There, there is enough right there that I thought I was going to be able to, to get a good sample audience. Uh, and I had started out a couple blocks away, you know, just from walking distance to this. So I could check out and see other things that were going on. Uh, to my extreme disappointment, there was a little to no fanfare leading up to this to the show. So, like when you say little to no fanfare, like here's here's what I was used to. When you're asking compare comparable to other events I've gone to uh, in the city, uh, particularly in this venue, you usually can arrive a couple hours early and you can go out and have a couple beers, uh, grab some wings, some nachos, whatever, and 
just sitting randomly at the bar around you will be other, you know, obvious wrestling fans that you can sit there and just shoot the shit with and, and get hyped about the show and just talk about everything that's going on. And it, and in that in itself is so much fun because, you know, we do that every day via the internet, but it's, it's such a different dynamic when you're actually there with people and you get to enjoy just the actual presence of other wrestling fans, like like-minded individuals. Uh, there, there was none of that. I knew there were people downtown because the last place we went to, I don't even want to mention him. I don't even want to give him any kind of rub. Uh, it was a terrible experience, terrible customer service. Uh, but they were, all, they were hosting the Bangles Line program, which is a weekly radio show where they bring in Bangles personalities and all that. Uh, so people were going there for that reason. Zero wrestling fans there. Really? Nobody? Uh, by the by the time I got up to the concourse, uh, waiting outside the arena, sure, there, there was plenty of wrestling fans. Uh, the arena itself, a little bit of a knock on them here. Uh, there was not a lot of obvious directional you know, material going on to let people know where they should be entering at. Uh, on one side of the arena, the, the first side of the arena, when you come up the steps, man, it was just swamped with individuals. And at this point, it's 16 to 20 degrees outside. People are freezing, wanting to get in there. Uh, luckily, as I said, I had been there before. I knew about some side entrances. So we were able to shoot right in. Uh, we didn't have to wait in any line, which was nice for us there. But you, you could just tell sitting outside, people did not want to be bothered. It was freezing and the sun was starting to set. So I wasn't going to get any good lighting out of it. So I kind of had to forego talking, talking to the people. What was the demographic of the crowd? Was it a lot of kids and parents? Was it a lot of smarks? Was it family, uh, family driven? Okay. Um, you know, so a lot of kids, mom, dad, and two or three kids, a lot of kids, a lot of kids floating around uh, where we were at, had a couple kids in the box I was actually in and the surrounding boxes were dominated by kids. I'd say anywhere. I would say your average age is from eight years old to 13, 14. Interesting. Probably on the top end. Uh, souvenir stand. Yes, you know I checked that out. Of course. Because you really, knew I would really, ask. Really, really disappointed in it. Really? How so? There, it wasn't really representative of SmackDown in any way. Uh, Let I would me say, guess. Let me guess. You got a bunch of Roman Reigns and John Cena merch. Uh, pretty a third of the a third of the back wall where the T-shirts was a combination of you know Shield merchandise. So at least they're promoting Seth and Dean as well. Like was well, it their you, was it their individual stuff or was it Shield th- stuff? There, there was there was there was individual and Shield. Okay. So they were all represented there. Uh, then you had a good deal of Cena was there. Big surprise. AJ. Uh, I will say what was, which was kind of cool. I, I took probably about 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes to sit back and just see. I went to two different uh, merchandise stands, divided time between those ones. And it, the Rusev Day shirts were moving. Yes. Rusev Day. I, I, I knew you would like that. They were moving. Uh, something else. I was able to, as I said, uh, Rock Restoration gave us a few tickets. I had some leftovers, so I invited an old friend of mine. Her daughter was having her 12th birthday that day, and what she really wanted, she kind of like, she was just going to her grandparents for cake. She really wanted to go to a wrestling event. She wanted to go to SmackDown Live. So I called her up, and I said, I said, hey, man, I got two extra, Melissa. Bring Carly down. She's going to love this thing, which was super cool for me to see this come, to see 
when this show started to just see her pop and a smile on her face and, and how much she was into it. Loved it. I saw and a I, couple I, of pictures and I, she is just sucked in and engaged. And I'm just looking at these pictures going, God, I wish I could be like that. It, it was cool to watch it through her eyes. So within her being her birthday and her, her really making me pop, making it the night better for me, I went down. I was going to get her uh, a female superstar piece of merchandise. You know, I was going to get her a Charlotte shirt if, if I could find one that was pretty cool. Or uh, there was no, none of the females had T-shirts available. You know what? It was just like it was like that when we went in Moline, where it was like, even if you wanted to buy merch for half of these guys, it's not even there. Yeah. So, and I understand where these merch numbers come from because it's, you know, if you're down there with a six year old to or an eight year old, something like that, they want something. So you're just going to have to buy whatever the hell is available for them. And what's popular? What do you have the most of? Yes. Roman Reigns and John Cena. Um, So, anyway, yeah, the only thing they had there for a female superstar, they had a pair of Becky's goggles. They were like 65 bucks. I was like, all right, I like the kid. It was a fun night, but I'm not going to spend 65 bucks on her, you know? And the funny part (laughs) is, Becky wasn't on this show because she's off filming a movie. Right. Well, at this time, I'm sitting there looking at his goggles, and I start thinking to myself, I guess I don't want to be like a total dick. I wasn't thinking, hey, I'm not going to buy these for her because I don't don't know her that well and so much. But I'm thinking, like, I can go on WWEshop.com right now and probably get these for half price. Yeah. And I kind of said something about that out loud. And a lady who was buying a T-shirt stopped. I, she, she voided her, her transaction and said, Thanks, thank you for that. I'm actually just going to order one and have it overnighted. Well, because they do that. Where it's yeah. $19.99 on the website, you're paying 35 bucks at the live show. Yeah. What yeah. the hell is the logic there? And then they also want to talk about how, oh, well, our WWE shop numbers are way up. Yeah, because I want Tyler Breeze merch, and the only place I can get it is WWEshop.com, even when Tyler Breeze is on the goddamn show. Uh, Then one more thing with the merch there, T-shirt watch, a lot of John Cena shirts on the kids. Yeah. ton of Cena merch for the kids. Uh, Then for your adults, though, Bullet Club in New Japan. Man, that Hot Topic deal is hot, isn't it? Bullet Club in New Japan, and what really surprised me was the amount of New Japan. If I had to split it between the, like those two, it was probably like a 60-40, 60% Bullet Club, 40% just any other New Japan shirt. L.I.J. and the, uh, Quite a few of the L.I.J.'s, yes. Yeah, and, the, and then the, the Lion Mark itself. Yeah, uh, it was pretty surprising. Uh, one other thing let's, before we jump into the show here, you know, I, I've constantly talked about this live event experience from the get-go for these people walking in a door there was very little to really get you excited i did not feel as if i was actually at any any special event that was like this is professional wrestling this is wwe i've been to these in the past i've been to monday night rawls in this city and other cities and i'm going back you know attitude era or early into the 2000s they had people out there, man. They had legends that would be out there greeting you. You felt like you were a part of it. You, you felt the magic. This was like you were walking into anything else. Man. They're just uh, dropping the ball all the way around, man. It's like they've uh, just gotten so lazy and complacent. It is. Uh, up up in the box, 
Uh, they came through. I've been, like I said, I've been to other events here. I've used this box before. Usually it's nice because you got a, you have your own TV in there where I could actually watch SmackDown on television and turn out the, the big sliding doors, go out onto the balcony and watch it live if I want to. Uh, there's lights that you can usually have on in there. The security came around and the attendants came around and were very strict about lights have to go off when the show starts and your televisions must be off. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, no, 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 no. That's not how it works around here. You can't even close circuit watch SmackDown when you're the reason, here's in the why. building watching SmackDown. And here's why. Uh, I asked about this and they said this is these are new mandates on behalf of WWE themselves. That is what not for every fuck? event there. You pay that much money for a box, you know? I I love having a box, but right. they're not the greatest seats in the world. You know, because you're pretty far away, typically, when you're in a box. It's nice to have, right. like, closed-circuit TV where you can at least watch the event while you're in the box. Yeah, so they did inform us that this was a WWE call. If you would have to go there to watch a hockey game, they are the home of the Cincinnati minor league hockey team. You can do whatever you want. You can leave your lights on. You can be watching. Because I've been to Raw at this at this three before, and we had Monday Night Football on the on the television. That just seems asinine to me. Well, I mean, I can understand them, you know, like limiting it so that it's closed circuit. All you can watch is SmackDown. That makes sense to me. But to kill them, just. Yeah, they, they killed them all. Uh, so, so that kind of was like a sour taste, you know. But, but then the show gets started. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in there. I'll, I'll let you lead and I'll feed in, you know, kind of what I observed. Well, I'm curious before we really get into the show itself, since there wasn't much build on the show itself for this match. How do you feel about this huge tag team match? Uh, I'm guessing the one that you popped for. Well, I mean, Jersey Mike has been telling me that, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Orton and Nakamura has to be the main event because that's where the story is. So I'm going off of that precedent. I assume Breezango versus the Bludgeon Brothers is going to be the main event of this show because it's the one with the most story to it. Right? Hey, you know what? This actually, if you go down this card... This is the match I am most excited for. This, hey, if they, I watch they, this show live, it will be for this when, match. When they announced this match, believe me, man, I, I, I immediately, I kind of perked up and took notice, and I was like, somewhere Jargo is popping right now. Oh, I was ecstatic, but I'm also very, very pissed off that they have moved the fashion files exclusively to WWE.com. We actually got something over on SmackDown, so let's take it off of SmackDown and put it exclusively on WWE.com. I am outraged. Uh, the, only, the only positive I hope going forward with that is, is that they start actually getting to show up in the ring. God, I at least have a reason to go to WWE.com once a week now. That just pisses me off. Uh, speaking of Legend Brothers, very too little, no reaction. That doesn't surprise me. Dude, Breezango is going to be so fucking over. D does this match kick off the show to you? I, I was, have they announced what's going on a pre-show? Is that going to be like Mojo? The pre-show uh, is Mojo versus Ryder. Ryder, okay. This is being no. advertised for the main card. Okay, so this like this could be your opener, or, or this could be the transition match between... It, it, 
I, I don't. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings here, bro. But they might treat this as like a bathroom break match. Where oh, I will be pissed. I will now, be pissed. Now, after watching the Bludgeon Brothers entrance, and it just came off a little campy to me. Man, I just sat there and I thought. Actually, I said to to Mike from theGrowPosition.com, and I said, "What? If, I said if they were just called Bludgeon, and they had like a brood entrance." It would like it would give so. I don't know. It would up the importance and the intensity of the gimmick they've got going on. I don't know. And I now, think the best part of the Bludgeon Brothers segment was the screaming yellow man. The that jobber that was screaming. I thought that was the best part of the Bludgeon Brothers segment. Yeah, it's and we were we spent most of the time just trying to figure out who the jobbers were, uh, and then if one being Colin Delaney. Yep, and and then and, another and then the screaming man. Yeah, and that's nothing against the Bludgeon Brothers. I like both those guys' talents. I just this gimmick is going nowhere. No, it, no, it's nothing against either. You know Harper or Rowan. I mean, they, I think they should. They have earned. It is going to so be so better. insulting when Breezango comes out, and that place is going to pop like crazy for those guys. And then the Bludgeon Brothers are going to come out, and nobody's going to care. Which one's the better in-ring talent? I mean, it's it's not rocket science here. Right. Uh, you know, the problem, if I would like to see these guys go first, and I just don't know if they're going to let this match play out. I don't know. The, the, way, they're, the way they're trying to... to Tyler Breeze brothers, is going to get murdered. That's yeah, what's going to happen. Gonna go. The problem is if you guys had these, if you had these two teams on almost equal footing, this could be a great match. Oh yeah, but the way absolutely. The, booking, the way that they're booked, it doesn't make much sense to let them go out and go toe for toe for a little while. It just makes sense for a slaughter. Yeah, Tyler's just going to get mindlessly murdered. I'm sure that's how this thing is going to go down. But I will say this: Tyler's going to make it look fucking good. You know, I mean, that's kind of what Tyler does: is he makes everybody else look good. Okay, well, I guess let's actually talk about what did happen on SmackDown. <laughs> so AJ kicks off the show. How was the pop for AJ there in the building? Great pop. Uh, as I'm sitting here kind of going through, he he's probably right up there with pop of the night. I'd have to, he'd probably, he's at least in the top three. Okay, I'm interested. Who, who uh, else big- was on that top three list? Uh, of course, AJ, as I just mentioned, Shar Shar. My Shar Shar was up there, but that might have just because I have such a loud mouth. Uh, even in the pre-show, you had a bunch of woos going on, and <laughs> I was trying to get a We Want Charlotte chant. I got it going on for a little bit, and I, one of the kids in the other box told me to shut up. Uh, but you know, this is going to surprise the hell out of a lot of people. Uh, I know you'll you'll back me up here because it was randy orton wasn't it randy orton got the pop of the night god damn it people quit cheering randy orton please people love him kids love him it's insane people love him that rko chant man holy shit uh i have i have almost i'll tell you on the flip side of all that though i'm not so sure about nakamura aj styles at wrestlemania because if we're going off of a general response, no one cared about Nakamura. It's the presentation, man. It's the presentation. 
I have I've seen him in NXT. Uh, I know it's a different crowd. It is a different atmosphere. It's a different arena size. That was intense. You felt something special during that entrance. Uh, this felt like a joke. <sighs> and and like it's getting to the point now where even winning the Rumble, I don't know if it's going to do it. A lot of it's going to depend on that Philly crowd and how they feel about it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's a perfect storm for them to start building back up. But right now, man, they, they have done so much to tear him down. I, 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 I don't see it happening. It, it was, it was, it was shockingly disappointing. I find it intriguing that for the third time, I'm going to try to talk about this AJ and gender thing. And we're probably going to get sidetracked again. Because we don't fucking care. Well, I'll make it real quick. I'll tell you this from from a uh, live audience perspective. Uh, great pop for AJ, man. They, they were really digging the early part of the promo. It just seemed like it went entirely too long. As uh, soon as the Singh brothers came out, crowd died. Uh, zero reaction for gender. No one was kind of buying any of the inter- interaction. Uh, it was more... Oh, when they did the hug it out thing, uh, you did have a, a couple hug it out chains, but and I'm sure they really mic those up for the home audience. But man, it it really died. Uh, it just ran way too long. You could have just had AJ cut his promo and save any kind of physical activity for a backstage segment. I don't know, but I don't know. It it it, it came out hot and fell off. Real quick. I will give them a little bit of credit because they at least acknowledged what happened in India. Oh, yes, sir. Definitely. Uh, Mike and I from the com. we were we each commented on that. Like, oh, we, we couldn't believe they actually referenced it and actually used it to their advantage in what they were trying to, to you know, parlay to us storyline wise. Yeah, because at first it was eye rolling. You know, it was like, please don't have AJ fall for this. And like, as I'm watching this segment play out, I'm thinking about Jim Ross's book and something that was told to him a long time ago by Watts. Never make your baby face look stupid. And I was like, oh God, they're going to make AJ look stupid. They're going to make AJ look so stupid. And then he threw to that and I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank you, Christ. We're not going to make the baby face look stupid. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I think not to sit here and to go on and on about this. We've got some other things we got to talk about. But, yeah, it, it, like I said, when it came out hot, fell short. I don't know how much interest there is in this going forward. Did you get to see the backstage interview with Renee Young and AJ Styles in the arena? When gender beat down AJ. Yeah, you hit us in the notes here. I think I just missed that somehow. It seems like that's something that they would show in the arena. Yeah, that's what I – well, I always wonder what they show and what they don't, you know? Well, like, you know, one of the, the fun things we were doing during the show was trying to guess, like, when when and where are the commercial breaks? Like, what was the cutaway? Uh, what, what are they showing us? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We could always tell during commercials they would play – they played it at the beginning of the show that was supposed to, like, hype everyone up. Instead of like bringing someone out, you know, to get the thing going, they, they played a, a, a promo video. Well, it was about the things that happened over the course of the year. 
uh, mainly, I think maybe it was more about WrestleMania. It was about WrestleMania. That's what it was. It was a WrestleMania hype video from last year. What I thought was real funny is they go through the match card, and everyone pretty much got like 30 to 45 seconds of footage, and then Triple H got like two minutes of the video. <laughs> Man. That so guy, uh, so he just I, can't so help I himself. I don't really recall this segment or this video. They probably did air in the arena, and I maybe had got to the restroom or grabbed a piece of pizza or something. So gender beats down. AJ, I assume that means AJ retains, and I don't have to go on strike. Uh, I, I think you're. I think you're safe, man. I just don't see that change happen, especially the reaction. All right, well, let's talk about your precious Shar Shar taking on Ruby Riot. Man, she looks so good in person. Those legs. Damn. When she hits them splits. Damn. Uh, uh, I her hitting the splits great... was the highlight of this match, probably. I, I actually had a great video I took, but I was so excited I forgot to hit play. <laughs> <laughs> so this was just a copy and paste from Monday night. Uh, essentially, yes. Uh, and I think we all saw that coming. Uh, uh, how did you guess the commercial break during this match? I'm curious because I know how what, it played on TV. The timing was really off in this match because we kept getting some promo packages and then commercial, like in-house commercials. And it was it seemed like it was really extended. It was really hard to pick up on where the hell they were at here. So uh, Because... Uh, because even as as they continued to wrestle in front of us, like at the show, they ran up. They ran a WWE promo package on the screen. Oh my god! I don't okay. know if it was like something off or something that happened. I missed you. Nope. So but here's yeah, there was- what happened. Here's what happened. So they they do all the promos and all that bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. They ring the bell. They go at it for about a minute, and they go to break. Now this remember this is your your picture in picture break, right? Right. So on my sixty five inch TV, you know, I've got like a four inch screen where I can see what's going on. But so they come back from a three minute break, and you get one more minute of the match, and that's when Natty clotheslines her. So you had a five minute match, of which we really got to see two minutes. Okay. And that was your women's segment. That's okay. That's why it seems so weird because during those breaks, they were continuing to wrestle. So you were still watching that at home, and, but they ran. But it was the picture in picture window. That's yeah, why, it, so you, that's why it was, hear, on, that's why it felt so fucked up to you. Yeah. Well, no, they weren't really like doing anything great. I, they went down in a slowdown mode. I picked up on that a little bit. But I didn't know if that was the picture in picture. I didn't even think about the time they usually do that early in the show because they were running. In-house commercial. Yep, that's why. That's why. Um, it was just copy and paste from the night before. Like they're not even creative enough to write two storylines here, man. It's, well, I mean that this has been the entire thing since the beginning of this, correct? Yep. Essentially, it's been copy and paste, just maybe change the location of where it happens the arena. You know, instead of all the girls uh, standing tall in the ring, this time they stood on the ring. Do you remember on last week's show when we made the comment that it was going to be the Riot Squad versus the the rest of the SmackDown women? And I said, oh, my God, that match is going to be terrible. Guess what match we're going to get? That terrible match. 
I got nothing good to say about the women's division on SmackDown because they're not putting any fucking effort into it. Yeah, again, there's really nothing going there. Uh, it's hey, so Naomi, bland. Naomi got a nice little pop for her return, but everything there was predictable. And oh, dude, again, you know, the commentary ruined that. The commentary just Saxton ruined that moment for the TV audience. Because you know how Kevin Kelly and Don Callis lost their mind when Chris Jericho showed up behind Kenny Omega after the video played? Right. That's how Byron Saxton presented Naomi. <laughs> so it was like, oh my God, like, could it be? It is. It's Naomi. And it was, are you. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, so it was like the second coming of like Hulk Hogan or something. Oh my god! You would have thought like the, you would have thought you like would have thought that the Macho Man was dropping the elbow all the way from heaven onto Roman Reigns the way Byron Saxton presented this thing. Oh man! It was it was so over the top ridiculous that it was just eye rolling. Huh? Interesting. Live presentation versus television. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now let's talk about one of my favorite professional wrestlers, Bobby Roode. Rick, how fucking stupid is Bobby Roode? Well, I, I wanted to, before we jump into this, did they do his uh, any of his intro on nope. television? Then, like, did they just hit the glorious and then go to break, or did you get any of that? Like, you come back and he's at the table. He he was just at the table. Okay, because they really rushed it. It was really rushed. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then we were sitting there thinking like, yep, that was just a cold entrance. Okay, so of these three, one of them is a baby face. And that one is Bobby Roode, right? That's what they tell us. So we have the two heels fighting each other like five days before the pay-per-view that the baby face is in the triple threat match with. And three minutes into the match, the baby face interrupts the match. Why in the hell wouldn't he want these two guys to beat the ever loving piss out of each other for the next six hours? Well, and just not, just not the baby face, a veteran baby face who's supposed to know how the ins and outs, how this work, how to play the game, how you get, how you get over on the competition. This was the worst. I was talking about AJ earlier and Jim Ross. Don't make the baby face look stupid. Bobby Roode is the stupidest baby face on the face of the freaking planet right now. That was so fucking dumb. Uh, it was a huge mess all around, man. And, and I, I don't think people picked up in the arena. Like you were saying, man, you, you're sitting there like, why would he do this? You know, oh, what I was what just, is the logic behind this move here? Why in the hell would he do that? In-house, man. Thankfully, this thing was short because no one really cared. Oh, makes my head hurt even thinking about it. Or maybe it's uh, just the caffeine wearing off. And, and I'm sorry. I, and this is a real observation. Uh, I, I'm pretty harsh on Corbin myself. I, I Believe me, I, I know the guy's got it in him to do it. He, I, he's done work that I've been a huge fan of. I just think it's been missing here on SmackDown Live. Uh, people were using this as like a bathroom break. How much of that was Corbin and how much of that was Ziggler? I might have been a combination of everything. 
Did you notice that they played Ziggler's full entrance music? Are we just done with the? Oh, they did that last time, last week. I noticed that last huh. week. Like, okay, I guess he's back to his music. Speaking of random things that people didn't pick up on, did you notice that AJ had a different title this week? That was a different WWE championship. Was it? Yeah. It was all blacked out. Like, you know, the red stripe underneath? It was all blacked out. Looks slick, too. Looked like a championship uh, instead of a fucking toy. I, I did not notice that. I haven't, even, I haven't even seen anyone, like, commenting on it. Yeah, when you go back and watch the show, look, that's a different belt. I'll check that out after we, uh, we wrap things up here. Uh, Rusev Day defeat the Usos, which, of course, I'm happy about because I love Rusev Day. But can we stop having the champions lose on the show before a pay-per-view? Please. No, 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 just, just not a pay-per-view. Stop having them lose on shows, period. Yeah. I, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. You, you want to talk about devat? Come up with a more creative way to prop up a challenger instead of just making your champs and the championship look worthless. I'm also very disappointed. I'm also very disappointed in Aiden English when he said that he was going to finish the 12 Days of Rusev and then only saying us like eight. I thought that was weird. Hey, they're building up to it. Building up to it, uh, hey, like I told you, man, people were people were were buying their merch, were buying the Rusev Day T-shirts. I'm uh, happy to hear that because I was going to ask you. I was disappointed. Cincinnati did not seem into the celebration of Rusev Day. Uh man, it, it, it live it did. I don't know if really? they were playing with the sound. I, I was kind of surprised by it. I, I was pleasantly surprised that they got a pretty good reception. It felt really, really flat. On TV, huh? May may have to go back and watch oh, that one too. Man. May have to go back and watch that one. Uh, let's talk about the other big tag match on this show. Not nearly as big as Breezango versus the Bludgeon Brothers. Really hope the Ascension, you know, pull one out for their best friends here. Uh, Shinsuke versus Kevin Owens was on this show. The build up to you know Shane McMahon being a guest referee, and now we have Daniel Bryan as another guest referee. Because, you know, Shane O'Mac can't be bothered to show up for the go-home show. Uh, you know, against overall Pop of the Ninth Randy Orton, which you had told me about, so I wasn't completely surprised. But I, w- I wasn't surprised that he got a, a huge pop. I was I was very surprised at how big of a pop. It's uh, baffling, then, man. It just then, baffles me. Then ultimately surprised with a little reaction to Nakamura. How about Owens and Zayn? Uh, the, the, they got a decent reaction. Well, uh, the I was yep curious because segment. that yep movement thing kind of seemed like it was kind of catching on. Uh, it was another case of people were kind of taking to it. Uh, anything you do, you know, anything getting one to chant, they're going to start chanting. So they were getting the yes chance going and I started listening very carefully. They were still giving yes chance, not yep. Yeah, I did pick up on that. Um, Again, this was a segment that probably was five minutes at least too long. I don't know exact timing. It was probably five to seven minutes way too long. This was kind of curious to me because earlier today I was listening to the Mega Powers episode of Bruce Pritchard's show. And they were talking about the build to WrestleMania 5 and how it was written so that you saw everything from Macho Man's perspective, but you could also see it from Hogan's perspective 
And it was kind of you could choose which side you were on of the mega right. powers exploding. And that's very much how this promo earlier in the night, the whole yep movement thing came across to me. Like, I understand that, you know, heels are supposed to have a little bit of flawed logic here. But everything that Owens and Zane were saying, it was like, yep. Yep. Well, I think it was it was definitely hitting, you know, hitting home with a lot of individuals. And then just and then anything you can kind of gimmick out the way, especially the way they did was really, really working. There was one uh, spot that's being talked about a lot that if you haven't seen the TV presentation, you completely missed. And that is Daniel Bryan on commentary made reference to the old days of Brian Danielson versus Kevin Steen in ring of honor. And like, huh. there was a conversation about it. And the whole point of it was, yeah, listen, I remember when Kevin Steen tried to gouge my freaking eyeball out of my head, just because it happened before I got to the WWE doesn't mean that I forgot it. Pretty interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. Much more interesting than the match. Uh, the announcement of Daniel Bryan as a second guest referee, man, it, it that just killed me. Uh, you talk about overbooking. Well, and and here's the thing, man, is on the TV presentation, Phillips and Saxton and Graves are like two referees. How is that gonna work? Like they don't even know what the fuck is going on. How in the hell are we supposed to know what's going on when they don't know what's going on? Uh, so I, I don't know. I, no, to me, it's just good. You know what we're going to get? We're, we're going to get a few things where they disagree with like a break or, you know, someone getting away with something. The problem here is, and I'm sorry, you know, going back to what, when we started this segment, this is, this is going to close the show. Yeah, it absolutely and, is going to close the show, and it's absolutely going to be incredibly and, and disappointing. Ultimately, and ultimately, you have four great talents in this match, and they are in the very in a rearview mirror, like distant rearview mirror. Because the story uh, is about the referees. Yes, because it's about a forty-seven-year-old referee and and a guy uh, they I, won't let wrestle. Yes. And a guy that can't give you a payoff for a phys- you know physical altercation. That was very disappointing. Over they just overbooked this thing. From the beginning, it's overbooked, and it's a storyline that yes. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, this one's pretty cool. You were talking about uh, your reference, Brian, talking about the past that you know he hasn't forgotten what Kevin Steen's done to him. I couldn't hear that because obviously the the assholes wouldn't let me turn the TV on. Uh, but something that you guys couldn't see out there, and this was probably the, the best physical altercation of the night. Uh, during this match, and probably post match or very late in the match, I think it's post match. Sami Zayn is thrown to the floor, uh, and it's over on the camera side, and Randy Orton is there, and you can tell they're they are supposed to start mixing it up. Uh huh. Well, this dude probably in the third row throws his drink on Orton. Oh shit! Uh, Orton immediately turns away. <laughs> from Sammy. Oh shit! And you can see where Sammy like is like, oh, 
okay, like just trying to do it on the fly, like selling something. Oh shit. Orton grabbed this son of a bitch. <laughs> that is pulled, not the guy to do that. Pulled pulled him over the other chairs in front of him. <laughs> this guy, this guy was probably, you know, I could you know, I am up top, so you know, I don't have like a ground level on him. He did not look big by me, and I'm guessing this guy, I know he was under six foot, you know, and probably 180 pounds or something like that. Orton's got his hands on this dude, and security <laughs> is rushing over like freaking crazy. Orton would kill that dude. Well, they finally, I guess they calmed, because even like the uh, production team inside the wall <laughs> is sitting there, they're backing him off. They finally let go, and then security and the police officers just wailed on this dude. <laughs> oh, man. And then they, and then they just drug put him, him in a dark room with Randy for like and 10 then seconds. They him, and then they drug him outside. They drug him out of the arena. So <laughs> Why? That, what would possess you to pick a fight with a wrestler, let alone yeah. Randy Orton? Randy Orton is not the dude to fuck with. Yeah, so they, they got that guy out of there. He was he was gone real fast. Oh man. Oh man. I uh I there was one uh sequence that I saw where Sammy was outside like punching Orton and he was throwing Ambrose punches. Like they just looked god fucking awful. And I, I thought about putting that on the rundown and I was gonna comment on it, and then I was like, No, I'm not going to. You know why? Because it's Randy Orton. <laughs> Like Sami Zayn, it like knows that he is on the shit list with the company, and the last fucking guy that he is gonna piss off is Randy Orton. Like you saw that chair shot a couple of weeks ago, that was the tank heard around the world. Today, yeah, this week we get say, he these knows. terrible Ambrose punches. Like he's taking care of Randy Orton, and this dumb motherfucker throws a beer at Randy Orton. Oh, good luck to you there, Chief. <laughs> oh man. Just fucking oh, yeah. kill him, Randy. Just fucking kill him. Oh, man. <laughs> Fantastic. What, when did the show end? What What was your cutoff? Was it uh, Nakamura on the mic? Nakamura on the mic? I don't yeah, remember they, Nakamura on the mic. Um, Orton came on and said... Orton gave like a, a couple lines... I don't think I got that. I think we went off the air with Sammy dancing like a jackass on the ramp. I think that's where I stopped anyway. Okay. Well, all right. Well, they did have a line. They Randy, they went and did one of those in-ring interviews where they had uh, they had Randy and, and Knock in there, and Randy talked about something, and then they went to, to Nakamura, and whatever the question was, like, are you going to win on Sunday? And he just was like, yep. And then that was it. Um, I'm actually, I just fast forwarded to the end of SmackDown and we went off the air with Sammy and Kevin on the ramp. Okay. So we got something different. And I guess that was supposed to be like the funny, a little pop before they switched over to two Oh five live. So was there a dark match? Uh, well, at this point uh, they, they switch over to a five live. At this point, I'm a little. We're a little tired of the show. You know, we've been there for a couple hours. It wasn't that exciting. Uh, we did know that they were going to start 205 with uh, Drew Gulak, so we were going to stick around. We wanted to see what was happening there, and I wanted to see the transition. Uh, they probably had, I think, my best count. They probably had about 22 uh, of 
the production guys, ring crew there doing all the switch. Wow. Uh, they were moving fast, man. They, they were on the ball. It was pretty cool to watch that happen. Uh, it was like a mass exodus, though. Fans were getting the hell out of there. You know, it was, families were had already been leaving before the main event. The kids were just kind of, they were just tired out uh, from everything that had been going on. But those that stuck around, I'm going to say, and, you know, going, going back to the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about the arena. Uh, the pretty much the upper deck was was tarped off. Overall, there was eighteen sections tarped off. Wow, eighteen. Yes. Uh, and then at that point, you have the the lower bowl was pretty full, except for where the camera was at. That entire section was gone. Uh, but everyone's taking off, and they were quick to get everyone positioned to the. If you're at the announce table that far right corner. That's that weird angle. They like shooting uh, two Oh five from there. So they were made sure to fill that area. So it didn't look like there was huge gaps everywhere. Interesting. Uh, so they, they did that pretty quick. Uh, Drew came out. People, the people that were there, they bought into it. Like I said, man, he's getting himself over at that point though. He was, he just brought out, uh, he was just out there representing one of the other Zo train members. And it just, we were just like, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, they, their dark match advertised for the evening was, uh, what was it? Orton, Nakamura, and Bobby Roode versus KO, Zane, and Dolph Ziggler. Hmm. Hmm. But at that point, yeah, that's that's where my live experience ended. You know, we, it was easy to get out of there. We had planned ahead pretty quick. We parked right by the exit. You know, we didn't have to back on anything. We just did a straight shot, man, and we were gone. Interesting. I'm surprised they didn't do AJ and gender. I, you know what? I think that no, that was announced, but then it got it got canceled. Huh. I wonder why but, they did that. The, but the, they weren't going to do any of those until after 205 anyway. Right. Right. Yeah, it, it was because they did make a note that that match was not going to happen. But you got to think, though, you got an hour of 205 live, you know, or whatever. What time is 205 usually golf? Is it a 45, like an 11, or is it 1045? No, Eastern it's an time? hour show. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, East, we're on Eastern time. So 205 at 11, you got two more matches. You got people getting out at 1130. You know, you got people got to go to school and work. They're not getting home till 1230. How in the and hell did they ever pull that off during the Attitude Era? Yeah. Well, you, there, no one would think about leaving. During the attitude, yeah, I, I it's remember just going crazy. to. I remember going to a raw down there, and it was Bret Hart versus Undertaker, and that dark. And they would have a couple other dark matches, but that was like your main event, main event, just for you and that audience, and everyone stuck around. Yeah, and you're walking out of there at eleven thirty, quarter to twelve. Yeah, and you didn't care. God, what a time to be alive! Anything else that you want to say about the blue brand this week? No, man, I think we covered it all. Uh, Everything that was WWE and then the exciting topics. We hit everything on the show this week. Uh, we're going to hold off on the NXT talk. We're going to save that for one of the other shows. It's going to be in your ear holes here over the weekend. And the reason that we're going to do that is we're waiting on the rating. And I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation is, is this a possibility going forward? So we're going to save that talk for the weekend. We'll get that to you either this weekend on Hitting the Marks or Monday in the Locker Room. Uh, Rick, anything else that you wanted to talk about on this episode? No, man. Let's, let's, let's send it home here. 
Well, as always, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. You can shoot the show at email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Be sure that you visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com. Check out all their great content because they've got some really good stuff going on over there here the last couple of weeks in particular. Good stuff. Also, make sure that you join us in the Hameen Media Discussion Group. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? As always, you can get me on Twitter at TheRealRBV. Check me out on Facebook again at the Hameen Media Discussion Group. Monday mornings in the locker room with you and Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, Where else there? Oh, I'm going to do it one last time, and and then I'll shut up. Just make sure you head on over to thegrillposition.com. All right, we'll be back in your heroes with Around the Pool, Final Battle stuff, The Locker Room, lots of content coming up in the next week. We'll talk to you soon. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy! Yeah. <laughs>